This is Global News Watch, a look at the international headlines. Joining us here in the studio is Lee Seung-min. Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, uh, we've had a debate here of whether we are reopening things too soon with uh, the schools. Uh, but uh, we're in a situation that's uh, much more fortunate than other countries. Uh, despite rising coronavirus infection cases, many countries such as Brazil and India are actually easing restrictions on their economies while the new infections and deaths are growing. That's right. This comes as pressures are growing to reopen businesses and curb rising poverty. The decisions of these emerging countries to loosen restrictions underscore the greater pressure on economies uh, to restore people's livelihoods and step up exports as the U.S. and Europe have also started to lift their own lockdowns. Uh, Brazil, which is the epicenter of the pandemic in Latin America, crossed the threshold of more than 25,000 deaths nationwide, according to latest figures from Worldometer. It has the second largest number of infections following the U.S. with nearly 400,000. And despite the worrying spread of the disease, President Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil is continuing his calls to scrap lockdown measures to revive a flagging economy. The same goes for India as well. The country has had the longest and strictest lockdown, but the rise in cases from 100 to 100 thousand took just 64 days. Uh, so with easing lockdowns, countries are seeming to risk accelerating the spread of COVID-19, costing lives and complicating global efforts to curb the disease and restore international travel. The, re- the reopenings in Brazil and India coinciding as well uh, with Europe uh, and other countries that are trying to ease their lockdowns. Uh, the measures in Europe are actually uh, being done maybe a bit more cautiously in phases. That's right. Europeans returned to a new normal and uh, started heading to parks, gyms and pools as more countries are easing coronavirus restrictions. And as Italy reopened its swimming pools and sports centers, restaurants and cafes across Greece opened earlier than planned on Monday. And almost half of Spain has already moved to phase three with shopping centers allowed to open and restaurants to serve customers indoors at 40 percent capacity. Spain also has plans to to uh, open its doors to foreign visitors in July. And even in the United States, despite the fact that the pandemic death toll exceeded the horrific milestone of 100,000 lives, the state of Ohio is allowing manufacturing to resume. Louisiana is sending lawmakers back to work and Florida is reopening more of its beaches. Right. Again, uh, the uh, concern being maybe it is a little bit too soon. Uh, There's an area that has handled the uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, uh, quite well, which is Hong Kong, but they are dealing with an Another uh, sort of problem, the simmering tensions over the national security laws proposed by Beijing. Police in Hong Kong fired pepper pellets and made 300 arrests. Thousands of people took to the streets to voice anger over this controversial legislation. That's right. Uh, Riot police flooded central Hong Kong as people of all ages took to the streets to protest the territory's legislators preparing to debate another bill, one that will make it illegal to insult or abuse the Chinese national anthem. The bill also covers local schools and requires the Secretary for Education to issue directions to head teachers in relation to the anthem, although no punishment has been specified for teachers or principals who fail to comply. Uh, Pro-democracy protesters and politicians say the bill, which carries penalties of up to three years in prison and fines of up to 50,000 Hong Kong dollars, which is equivalent to about 6,450 U.S. dollars, is seen as another sign of increasing interference from Beijing. Hong Kong police said they have arrested more than 300 people in the city center, Mong Kong, the Causeway Bay area and Wan Chai area.
And the U.S., uh, along with several other countries, expressing concern about this legislation? That's right. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told Congress on Wednesday local time that Hong Kong no longer merits special treatment under U.S. law. And in a statement, Pompeo said, quote, no reasonable person can assert, assert today that Hong Kong maintains a high degree of autonomy from China, given facts on the ground. Pompeo also said that the security law were only the latest in a series of actions that fundamentally undermine Hong Kong's autonomy and freedoms. And this declaration could have major implications for Hong Kong's trade hub status and is likely to anger Beijing as well. Earlier on Tuesday, President Donald Trump also said he was working on a strong response to China's planned new legislation for Hong Kong. Uh, Meanwhile, Chinese authorities and the Beijing-backed government in Hong Kong have insisted the proposed legislation doesn't threaten the city's high degree of autonomy. And on Tuesday, Hong Kong's leader Carrie Lam dismissed fears about the new legislation and called the territory citizens to back it up. There's another aspect to this U.S.-China conflict, and it's this uh, tech war surrounding the Chinese firm Huawei. Uh, Another Mm. major blow for the company's uh, CFO, Meng Wangzhou. Uh, A Canadian court has ruled that her U.S. extradition case against her can proceed. That's right. Canada arrested Meng Wanzhou, the daughter of Huawei's founder, at Vancouver's airport back in late 2018. And the U.S. wants her extradited to face fraud charges. Her arrest infuriated Beijing, which sees her case as a political move designed to prevent China's rise. And the United States wanted Meng to stand trial on charges linked to the alleged violation of U.S. sanctions against Iran. And the Canadian court on Wednesday found that the case meets the threshold of double criminality. This means that charges Meng faces would be crimes in both the United States and Canada. With a uh, judge ruling against Meng being made, her legal team is scheduled to be back in court in June and will argue that Canada Border Services and the FBI violated Meng's rights while collecting evidence before she was actually arrested. And typically, extradition cases take years in Canada. Mm. More bad news for Huawei. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson planning to reduce Chinese uh, uh, Huawei's uh, involvement in the country's 5G mobile network development uh, in the wake of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Right. It was just less than six months ago that Prime Minister Boris Johnson decided to give Huawei a limited role in a 5G wireless networks while capping its market share. And now the Prime Minister has accelerated efforts to reduce the Chinese telecoms company's involvement in Britain's next generation of mobile and broadband networks. The development would make a change of direction for Britain, which had earlier decided to allow Huawei in the non-sensitive parts of the country's 5G mobile network. Uh, Johnson is expected to use less reliance on China as means to boost trade talks with President Donald Trump in the aftermath of Britain's departure from the EU, according to reports from the Daily Telegraph newspaper. And as you say, uh, this is a bit of an about face for the UK because uh, back in late April, we know that they said Mm -hmm. they are going to allow Huawei to have a bit of a role in its uh, 5G infrastructure. That's right. Britain decided in January to allow Huawei into what the government said were non-sensitive parts of the 5G mobile network, capping its involvement at 35 percent. But the U.S. government has raised security concerns about Huawei's telecom equipment and warned that allies that use it in their networks risk being cut off from valuable intelligence sharing feeds. And reports also emerged on Sunday that Prime Minister Boris Johnson is planning to announce he will reduce Huawei's presence in the U.K.'s 5G network network to 0% by the year of 2023.
2023. Responding to the announcement of a new UK review, Huawei Vice President Victor Zeng told BBC News, quote, Our priority remains to continue the rollout of a reliable and secure 5G networks across Britain. Right. There have been similar questions raised here in Korea as to how big a role Huawei should play in uh, laying right. out some of that infrastructure equipment as well. All right. Uh, we will leave it there. Thank you as always, s u n g m i n We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. This morning with Henry Shin on TBS EFM. Six years have passed since the uh, tragic. Teleferry disaster that took the lives of 299 people. There are five people still missing. Uh, we don't know yet why, how this happened. Uh, there's still a lot of mystery and there's still a lot of speculation and controversy. So to address this, the Special Commission on Social Disaster Investigation launched in 2018. They have made some pretty shocking discoveries in the last year and a half. And to find out more about its recent finding as to the timing of when Park Geun-hye knew about the sinking, we're pleased to be joined by human rights lawyer Hwang Pilgyu of the Konggam Human Rights Law Foundation. He's also a non-standing commissioner of the Special Commission on Social Disaster Investigation on the line right now. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Wong. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you please walk us through the uh, Special Commission on Social Disaster Investigation, uh, colloquially known as Hachamui's, the recent uh, discovery right now that I just mentioned, this false report that the Pakunai administration um, claimed to find out about the sinking of Seoul uh, a bit later in in its report? Yeah, um, I mean, the Seoul ferry with around uh, 500 passengers began to sink at around 8.50 of the 16th of April in 2014, and after one hour and 40 minutes, the ferry was submerged. Before the the Special Commission's recent discovery, it was known that um, some people at the President's office office saw the first YTN TV news about the the sinking of the cell ferry at 9.19 in the morning, and after communicating with the Korean Coast Guard, They sent out uh, text messages to about 150 presidential aides about the sinking at 9.24. But we found out that the text message was sent out at 9.19 instead of um, 9.24, which means they were aware of the sinking before 9.19 and not by the TV news. It raises a couple of very outrageous uh, scenarios. One, they lied, which is obviously wrong. Uh, second, there was that crucial golden time period where there could have been more done to, to save more lives uh, from the sinking. How was this discovery made? And, and what's the Special Commission's plan of action regarding this new development? Well, I mean, we went through thousands of documents from the Park Geun-hye administration at the National Archives. and found out a document which clearly confirms that text message was sent out at 9.19. And we felt confident that some officials at the presidential office at the time uh, committed crimes 
so just uh, preparation of false public documents. And so we requested the public prosecutor's office for official criminal investigation uh, two weeks ago. So we'll see what the prosecution comes up with. But if they indeed find that the uh, Pakane administration, the, the lie is indeed confirmed, um, what is your analysis? Uh, why would they lie about that when they sent out text messages to presidential aides? I mean, it was a time when the self-fairy just was in progress, which means if you had that one more minute, you could have saved more people. Right. Since the presidential office uh, performs a controlled power role during national crisis situations, at uh, the time the present office um, became aware of this incident, defines whether or not it was possible to avoid the disaster with timely search and rescue, and also who is responsible. Yeah, and it really leads more credence to that mystery of the missing seven hours of what exactly the president was doing. Where was she during the seven hours, during that crucial period? Uh, and uh, regardless of whether the uh, the Blue House knew about this or not. Um, can you also tell us, Mr. Huang, wh- um, why the special commission requested the prosecution's probe into the National uh, Intelligence Service last month? Yeah, I mean, the National Intelligence Service uh, conducted illegal surveillance of the victim families and other people and organizations who were helping these families. Uh, we requested the uh, National Intelligence Service for relevant documents several times, but they sent us just few documents, which they thought there was no problem. But surprisingly enough, these few documents told us that they watched very closely the victim families' requests, physical movements, psychological status, political orientation, and so on. They even made a report of a medical doctor helping the victim families. And there were also some some documents on how to mobilize conservative media and organizations to counterattack the victim families and other people and organizations around them. Yeah, it, it was unfortunately very much politicized in terms of these grieving family members, many of whom... Uh, in the beginning, wanted to uh, have their loved ones, uh, especially all these uh, children, these students who were sinking in the ferry, uh, to, to get them as much help as possible to hopefully save right. them. When it, yeah. when it became clear that they were not going to be saved, they wanted closure, and, and they wanted to uh, see a recovery effort to, to try to uh, find the remains and, and so they could get closure. And that was a very slow and painful process. And then they wanted to get to the truth. Why did this happen? Why was the... Uh, why was the rescue operation so badly bungled and incompetent? And it became political. As you say, uh, there was seemed to be a mobilization among these extreme right-wing groups like uh, Ilbe, for example, who would come up to the uh, the, the memorial sites or, or to where the uh, family members were and mock them if they were fasting, for example. Uh, this, this is pretty outrageous if the uh, NIS was actually involved in trying to stir up that kind of uh, controversy. Uh, according to your uh, special commission's report, the NIS even created a, a YouTube video. Can you tell us what that's about? Yeah, I mean, th- this is not our argument, but I mean, this is the fact that confirmed by actually former NIS officials. Yeah. I mean, when there was a big national movement for the investigation of the truth of the self ne- disaster, the NIS made a number of these YouTube videos, and the, the messages that these videos tried to send out were, let's be back to normal lives, let's forget, let's mm. just stay, stay calm and in sorrow, and so on. Uh, 
They put up these videos on extreme right-wing websites such as Ilbe, and they even check the number of views uh, regularly, I mean, of these videos. It's obvious that, I mean, this cannot be the role of National Intelligence Service. No, it cannot. And uh, you would hope that there has been some reforms, but also there are some entrenched uh, uh, powers that be in in the National Intelligence Service that perhaps lean towards uh, engaging in these kind of activities, which goes again to show that there has been an obfuscation of the truth uh, up till now over these past uh, six years. Uh, 2014, that is the date that will live in infamy uh, on April 16th. Over 216,000 Koreans have signed an online presidential pet- uh, petition to reinvestigate the Seoul Ferry tragedy uh, and unco- uncover the truth by May 1st. Why is May 1st important? There's only 10 months left until the statute of limitations expires, which amazingly shows how fast time has flown, but also gives a sense of urgency as to how quickly we need to get to the uh, truth before the statute of limitations uh, runs its course. What is your assessment uh, so far of the Moon Jae-in administration's fact-finding efforts, and uh, what do you think they should do within the next 10 months to fulfill their promise to the Seoul Ferry victims and bring justice uh, for them and give them some closure? I mean, for sure, the the present administration is totally different from the previous one, which Mm. actually attacked victim families and interfered with the fact-finding efforts. But I think even the present uh, administration is not proactive or serious enough about resolving the Seoul Ferry disaster issue. I mean, they should disclose and assist to disclose all the relevant documents and information, at least from the presidential office and the NIS. And the administration should make it very clear to all its public officials that it has a really strong will for a thorough investigation and all the public uh, officials should cooperate as much as possible. And uh, that the, the, the criminal investigation uh, should have this uh, thorough, I mean, uh, approach uh, to to the uh, finding out the, the truth of the incident. Right. It's a very different administration. This is an administration that uh, has always, at least the people involved in the administration, shown support for the Seoul Ferry uh, victims. But as you say, there's maybe a reality of governing that uh, they have perhaps not put enough priority and maybe even enough political will to push this through. Uh, We have a new floor leader of the main opposition party, Chu Ho-young, who by most accounts seems to be a very cooperative and um, uh, conciliatory politician. However, he also made some very controversial remarks uh, Chu Ho-young, I'm talking about, about how uh, the Seoul Ferry disaster was basically just a traffic accident. So you kind of wonder if, if there will be cooperation on the opposition side. But uh, overall, what, in your opinion, is standing between the administration and getting to the bottom of who, what, where, when, why is responsible for this disaster? And can we ever find out what really happened? Um, I mean, some truth, unless the perpetrators make confessions, it's really hard to find out. But I think at least if the administration is proactive and serious enough, we can go much closer to the truth. The administration may be very cautious about the all-time public officials' atmosphere over the coming presidential election. But I can tell you that self-ferry disaster kind of helped them to gain the power. And if they don't solve this issue, they will lose things which I mean, much more than they can imagine. 
Does that include the uh, former President Park Geun-hye, who is uh, behind bars for the other charges and has been serving a jail term, that uh, more charges uh, should and could be levied against her as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, it's been a a long-running saga. It's been a painful experience, uh, especially for the bereaved family members who have been living this difficult existence for the past six years. First, the devastating loss of their loved ones, and then this very difficult, painful journey to try to get to the truth, despite all these inherent obstacles that have been placed in front of them throughout. Hopefully, with your commission, that truth can finally be met within this 10-month Time frame. Mr. Huang, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your insights and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. That was Huang Pilgyu, lawyer at Kongam Human Rights Law Foundation, also a member of the Special Commission on Social Disaster Investigation.